श्री राम जय राम जय जय राम ओम 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 आई बो बाउ टू लोर राम इन ऑल ऑफ यू आई वॉन्ट टू टॉक टूडे ऑन अ रादर इंटरेस्टिंग बट ऑड सब्जेक्ट दिस क्वेश्चन ऑफ स्लीप टू मोस्ट पीपल स्लीप इज एन एब्सोलट नेसेसिटी बट यू नो मास्टर्स आर नॉट देर नॉट बाउंड बाई सबकॉन्शियसनेस समबरी आई लाइक टू रीड टू यू फ्रॉम the uh, conversations with yogananda um saying number 77 did the master ever sleep somebody asked me re- recently i replied all i can say for sure is that i remember hearing him tell us once i experimented last night with going into the subconscious it was like being hemmed in by a heavy wall of flesh i didn't like the feeling at all sleep we used to tell us is the semi-conscious way of go- of knowing that we are spirit we would not have been able to bear life without it even though subconsciousness can be pleasant however it is also a sort of drunkenness much much more enjoyable is superconsciousness often he contemplated he commented sleep is counterfeit ecstasy and there's a story from the path that i think is quite delightful my autobiography i'd like to repeat this one i'd forgotten that story when i mentioned this one here but uh dr lewis was telling a story about the time that he and his wife and master uh were traveling and they stayed they had adjoining hotel rooms master dr lewis said kept the door open between us i knew he didn't really want us to sleep that night he himself never sleeps you know not at least the way you and i do he is always in superconsciousness and he wants to break us too of too much dependence on subconsciousness counterfeit samadhi he calls it so i guess he saw here an opportunity for us to spend a few hours sharing spiritual friendship and inspiration with him we don't get many chances for that anymore now that the work has become worldwide The problem was Mrs. Lewis and I were both tired, she especially so. We'd been traveling all day. We're going to sleep, she announced in a tone of finality that, as far as she was concerned, was that. But Master had other ideas. Mrs. Lewis and I went to bed. Master with apparent submissiveness lay down on his bed. I was just getting relaxed and Mrs. Lewis was beginning to drift peacefully off to sleep when suddenly master as though with infinite relevance said subgum nothing more subgum was the name of one of those chinese dishes we'd eaten earlier that day i smiled to myself but mrs lewis muttered grimly he is not going to make me get up a few minutes passed we were just drifting off again suddenly in marveling tones subgum duff master pronounced the words carefully like a child with unaccustomed sounds 
Desperately, Mrs. Lewis whispered, we're sleeping. She turned for help to the wall. More minutes passed, then very slowly, super subgumduff. The words this time were spoken earnestly like a child in the process of making some important discovery. By this time I was chuckling to myself, but though sleep was beginning to seem to both of us rather an impossible dream, Mrs. Lewis was still hanging on fervently to her revolution. More minutes passed, and then the great discovery, super submarines of Gumduff. Further resistance was impossible. Howling with merriment, we rose from the bed. For the remainder of the night, sleep was forgotten. We talked and laughed with Master. Gradually, the conversation shifted to serious matters. We ended up speaking only of God, then meditating. With his blessings, we felt no further need for sleep that night. Another story. I was telling you, Dr. Lewis continued, that Master never sleeps. I found this to be true even when he snores. One day, many years ago, he was lying in his room, apparently asleep and snoring quite loudly. I tiptoed stealthily into the room. They were the same age, and they sort of played together as he, Master and us younger ones would never dream of doing. But anyway, he said, I tiptoed stealthily into the room and tied a string to his big toe, doing my best to make sure he felt nothing. He was still snoring peacefully as I crept back to the door. I was about to tie the string onto the doorknob when he stopped snoring long enough to say, Aha! Uh -huh. So, really, you notice in Autobiography of a Yogi, one is Ram Gopal Mujumdar said that someday you will give up sleep. And also in his ashram with his guru, many times they stayed up all night, and uh, when dawn came, they walked by the Ganges, but they talked of God, they meditated. Sleep is really a kind of a hypnosis, and yet it's a very pleasant one, yes, it's sort of like drunkenness, but learn to understand that you don't need too much. Five, six hours, Master used to say, is enough. Try to give the time that you would normally devote to sleep to spending in meditation. You will see that if you meditate, there will come a peace that will be much greater than the peace of sleep. Now, when you're working hard, when you're tired, yes, I know. Don't forget, however, that sleep is really tamasic, essentially. If you want to really become a devotee, be more tamasic. Seek your pleasures in, in I mean, be more sattvic. Seek your pleasures in more uplifting kind of uh, um, inward peace. When you meditate, I've told you this before, there's something that my Guruji used to say when he was a boy, he used to practice this a lot as a, young, as a youngster. He, would, he said that the direction of the eyes, if you send energy through them, helps to direct your state of consciousness. He said when you look down and send your energy downward with the gaze, that can bring you into subconsciousness. When you open your eyes, look straight ahead, that brings you into consciousness. When you look up, then automatically, if you direct the energy through your eyes upward to this point, that brings you into superconsciousness. He used as a boy to practice these three states 
he would look down and go into subconsciousness. Then, after a while, he'd open his eyes, shake off sleep, look straight ahead. Whenever you feel sleepy, try that. Just look straight ahead, wide, eyes wide open. Just fix your mind on something right in front of you. And then when you're completely awake, then lift your gaze upward and feel your mind going. But put your energy into the eyes, too. The direction of the eyes is important. When you meditate, usually people tend to close their eyes. But in fact, the position of half-open and half-closed eyes is better for meditation. If you will have your, the lower lids um, slightly raised and the upper lids is sort of lightly, so that you're looking at the horizon line there. You know, between subconscious and superconscious, there is a little fine line. And if you catch that line, just as you're going into subconscious, if you can catch that line, you can go into semi-superconsciousness and then up into full superconsciousness. So this is something that my Guruji also counseled, that when you see a horizon line, for example, look at that horizon line. See, we can put it this way. Three dimensions become two with a horizon line. If you penetrate through that horizon line, you go into that one-dimensional or dimensionless state of superconsciousness. So concentrate on that horizon line here or here and try to sort of penetrate through that into a world without dimensions at all. One dimension is like no dimensions. In that superconscious state, you will see actually it's just a subtle little thing. And we, it's a very good thing to practice, in fact. Just try it. Look down, close your eyes, direct your energy downward, and just feel sort of affirm through slowly drifting waters. I sink into subconsciousness and feel yourself floating in sort of watery subconscious dreams. Then when you've enjoyed that for a while, suddenly wake up with great willpower. Look straight ahead. With a burst of energy, I rise to greet the world. And with energy, not just your position of the eyes, but send energy through the eyes, looking outward into the world. Relate to the world around you with complete consciousness of it. And when you've had enough of that um, so-called realism, which is not reality at all, it's really a dream too, then lift, sort of lower your lo upper gaze, lift your lower lids, half open and half closed eyes. And in the beginning, you'll see your lids flicker, but after a while, they become calm. And just look into that and say, I soar into subconsciousness. I soar in freedom. I soar in light. I soar in ecstasy. This is a little bit more difficult to meditate this way because you see the world around you. But if you direct energy up to there, this is really the right way to meditate. And when you direct energy through your eyes to that point, then you will see that with that energy flowing upward and focused here, that uh, you can soar into superconsciousness. It's a very good practice. Try it. You know, there are different levels of the brain, too. The frontal lobe of the brain is the level of intellect, but it's also the level of ecstasy. This is why when you concentrate deeply, you tend to knit your eyebrows. 
when you uh, um, want to think deeply about anything, you, you go like this. Well, it, it's so that the more your mind is here, that's why the human skull is like this, and animal skulls go back. We have that part of our brain which enables us to achieve intellect, to understand, to discriminate, and also to go into superconsciousness. Animals have intuition, there's no doubt about it. There's one family who I think they left in Milwaukee to go to Seattle, and they decided that they, they were moving and they couldn't take their cat with them, and so they left their cat at home with somebody. That's a good thousand or fifteen hundred miles to go that distance. After a few months, their cat turned up on their doorstep in Seattle. Cats have, animals have, a certain intuition that we, because we reason so much, don't have. But it's still kind of a primitive intuition. You see this in, in uh, primitive human beings, too. They do have an intuition that so-called civilized people don't have. When I was in Australia, uh, somebody was telling me that there was a, a man who worked for him who was an aborigine. And uh, he said to him one day, well, my uncle is sick and I want to go and spend some time with him until he becomes well. And this boss said to him, well, how can you know he's out there in the desert? There's no post office. And the man said, no, but I know. And he was so insistent that the man said, all right, go ahead. And when he came back two or three weeks later, he said, well, was your uncle sick? And he very matter-of-factly said, yes. It's not an unusual thing for them to communicate in the... In, mental ways, and uh, in fact, they have certain powers. So when I was there back in 1958, they were telling me about two shamans in Australia who were um, aborigines, and uh, they were having a, a feud, and one of them would create drought, and the other one would create floods, and they were alternating between these two in their feud. Well, I don't know if it's true, but I, I have no reason to doubt it, because I have seen that uh, man does have these powers. One man in Mexico told me that he had been walking in the jungle and he came upon a village that was doing a rain dance and he stopped thinking this was a quaint thing. They'd had a drought for months and at the end of this dance, all of a sudden clouds gathered from nowhere and just drenched the town. Everybody had to run for cover. There is an intuitive power, but it's a, on a lower level. It deals with the phenomena of this world, whereas in superconsciousness you can know God. The true power of intuition is soul's power, as my guru defined it, the soul's power of knowing God. And when you can bring your consciousness here and direct your energy there and allow your energy to concentrate and to soar, you begin to see a light there. And if you can concentrate on that light, you can go through that. It's a door. You can go through that door into the infinite. You're not just a flesh and blood being. You're a body of light. And the more you live on that level, the more you begin to see the world in a very different way. As my guru said one time, he was looking at the light in all things. He said, you've no idea how beautiful everything is. But the way to live in that is to live in peace. And so I would like to close this program today by singing a song. The name of it is Peace. 
I wrote this many years ago, and uh, peace gave us the mountains, peace gave us the sky. Nightly when starlight enfolds us, peace is its lullaby. The more you can live in peace, the more you find that peace guides you, and with that peace, light and superconsciousness, not subconscious, but true, divine inspiration. Joy to you. Peace gave us the mountains, peace gave us the sky. Nightly when starlight enfolds us, peace is its lullaby. strive reconciles oh. 